Hi and welcome to a new episode of the State of the Net podcast. I'm Paolo Valdemarin. And I'm Ewan Semple. And this time it took only 24 minutes before we got all our technology to work and we could start recording this. <laughs> my fault. Well, it wasn't entirely my fault, but it was, yeah, it was me that was uh, struggling, but yes. Yeah, it's a story about when you turn off Bluetooth, suddenly you can't control your computer with your Bluetooth <laughs> devices. I think we've all done that. Yep, that was exactly that. But I'm now fully connected and and wired and well, no, I'm not wired, but I'm ready. I'm I'm we're off. Good. So how how have things been in the last months? Yeah, it's been a while since we last recorded, hasn't it? I mean, it's uh, well, obviously in the UK we've we've been going back through another lockdown period, um, but I've been doing more more work, uh, which has been nice. A couple of clients came back out of the blue and um, asking me to do two things. One, one was around, it was a group of people who have to pitch for funding and would normally do that face-to-face and normally do it with um, people they, they, they know. And But that's now being changed because of COVID. They can't meet and it's people that they're less familiar with. So they were basically asking for some advice on how to build relationships and to then be effective in communicating through online tools, primarily video, um, which was fascinating. And then the other group was uh, was about knowledge management and about how to collaborate and share uh, stuff more effectively. And again, that was, I think, being partly driven by the fact that more and more people are working from home and so the usual serendipitous water cooler conversations couldn't take place as they would normally. Um, I just thought it was interesting that I think it may be you know, just a sign of how many people are trying to adapt to what's happening and make, make the best of it. It's probably interesting the fact that, uh, you know, many of the things that we have been preaching about for the last way too many <laughs> years around mm-hmm. uh, capturing this uh, soft knowledge that happens between documents. And uh, I think that, you know, many people said, yeah, 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 yeah. But you know there there wasn't a, uh, such an evident need for for these kind of of process yeah um yeah. as and uh, i mean perhaps it's a good thing it's uh, you know all the times I, I i can't tell you how many times i try to explain this by saying you know if you take all the people in an organization and replace them with the same amount of people with exactly the same skill sets they will not be able to perform the jobs because they don't have the knowledge connecting these yeah. skill sets. Yeah. And uh, but it was a ve- all a very theoretical thing. Now you have people who suddenly you know find themselves at home and they don't have access to information that they need. And or, it's not, or probably not information. Is probably they don't have a context that they yeah. have if you just yeah. live in the same environment. That's, that's what I was going to say, and I think it's, that's partly what's making it hard for people, because for me, one of the appeals of the online tools was their asynchronous nature, and mm-hmm. the fact that blogging and commenting or, or contributing to a bulletin board didn't need me to be there all the time. I could post a question, wait, you know, just come back sometime, and the answers would all be there like magic, and it was actually very efficient. Um, I think the problem at the moment is a lot of people are basically replicating their their air quotes, real world in the technology. So they're spending all the days staring at a 
computer doing Zoom calls or Teams calls. And so they're not really, I don't think in many cases, gaining the potential advantage of, of if they were embracing all of the tools and using the right one for the right thing at the right time, then it could be less stressful and, and more efficient and more effective. But I think at the moment there's a risk of it becoming quite um, quite as tough, you know. Uh, it's, it's, so th- something happened to me this morning. I was in a conversation with a couple of colleagues and suddenly we got a message saying that somebody else needed that uh, Zoom room and we had to leave. <laughs> and I was like, really? it's, it's bonkers. Well, because because of the way we're using Zoom. So basically I started a new call and we moved this to another call. But it was like, we have been just thrown out from a meeting room. I mean, like, really? Do we still have to yeah. do this? That's funny, isn't it? It's ridiculous. But th- 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 yes, I mean, look, I'm spending so much time in Zoom calls. And I... Yeah. And I think that uh, a very big part of the time could be an email, yeah, or a blog post, or Slack, or, or whatever. Slack yeah. Or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. But it's just the way it is, and there is a perhaps there is a, a some degree of you know need for human connection that you know we all need. Well, they all need. I, I, I was going to say, speak for yourself. Yeah, well, but yeah, <laughs> but but I was trying to be inclusive. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and sometimes I think that uh, something that does happen and that I appreciate uh, with some colleagues, like this afternoon, I think we had a call that went on for more than three hours with people coming in and getting out, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. And it wasn't a meeting per se. It was mostly we were just chatting about things, and and then we thought, oh, why don't we ask this to somebody? So we we invited them in, and then we went somewhere else, and there was a client yeah. popped in. So it was mostly sharing a space and and sharing a conversation than having a formal meeting. Well, where... that that reminds me of a thing that we did at the BBC with MIT, where they had a. Uh, a wall, a big, big, big screen, basically with multiple cameras near it and microphones in a shared space in Boston, and we had one in Digilab at the Beeb. And the idea was that people could bump into each other. Mm-hmm. You, you could sort of walk past the screen, see them there, say hi, how you doing, and just take that kind of serendipitous conversation. So yeah, I mean, and I think that that's what kids do. I mean, they'll just sit and leave Skype or whatever on all day, and it's interesting watching both my daughters use and the colleges that aren't using the technologies and to good effect I mean Molly's been on all day um, but it was her birthday yesterday and they and the lovely the, the students decided to have a virtual birthday party for her and I was overhearing it and it was just really interesting how comfortable they all are at doing what you just described at having a big open zoom space they're all there they're not falling over each other or interrupting each other it all sort of just worked in a in a modified form in the way that it would have been if they were in the room. And I think that's what's really interesting, isn't it? That with a bit of adjustment and shifting your expectations, sometimes just a little, these are, are often remarkably effective. No, it's something that I did notice the first time I went on a birthday on Zoom. D- during the first lockdown, mm-hmm. it was that um, it works even at a certain scale 
And what I realize in that case is that y- you rarely have such a large group of people when where only one person is talking at a time. But this yes. is the only way you, you can do it. Confer- yeah, that's right. You can have the side conversations going on. Yeah. Although even that, I and mean, so I was involved at one of the conferences that I was involved in, it started off, oh no, it was a, it was a networking thing. It was a group, Scottish networking business group. But what they did was they had pre... So the way the thing was structured, you started off in small groups of maybe half a dozen with a host. And that gave us the chance to introduce each other, uh, ourselves to each other. And then, and, the, and that was for like the first five minutes. And then we'd swap rooms mm-hmm. and be meeting and introducing to other people. And then we would go into the bigger group for a presentation and then at the end, it sort of was an open, more freeform sort of thing. But again, I thought it was just interesting how they sort of replicated what you would do when you turn up and you grab your Danish pastry and your coffee and you just start sort of talking in small groups. And it, it was reasonably effective, again, at, at mimicking that. Yeah, we have been using break rooms on Zoom uh, for our acceleration program for mm-hmm. startups. And, I mean, we just... We just finished uh, a program with uh, about 15 companies. And it was quite effective because, you know, we had moments where everybody was in the same room. And then we had moments where we would break in, I think, four or five different breakout rooms, like smaller rooms, Mm -hmm. where we could actually do um, exercises and and things in in a much more collaborative way where everybody has a chance of participating and then we yeah. would just all go back to the main room and it, and it, and it was quite effective something that something that we have also been doing recently is having uh parties uh quote unquote uh on with breakout rooms I and mean, it's a bit tricky because you can you basically need to make everybody uh an administrator of the call but once you do that you can jump from room to room and everybody can move to any room they want <laughs> has, has anybody uh, ended up drunk drunk in a, in a bedroom with somebody that they don't know well i mean so we we set up rooms so you have you know the bar you have sports you have business you have things and then you can just wander from room to room and meet people in a different room and mm-hmm. this is all with a basic zoom account without any special software or license yeah. or devices yeah. and uh it works. I mean, if 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 one likes parties, I suppose. <laughs> so that's it's funny you should say that because I've now had maybe three or four friends, and we've all sort of confessed that we're quite happy that we we're stuck at home, and that we don't have to meet people, and we don't have to pretend that we enjoy it. <laughs> Which is yeah, I was I was uh, so here. I, I'm in Italy and. Uh, uh, in our region, we moved uh, about 10 days ago from level yellow to level orange, which is not as bad as level red, but is worse. And uh, basically, shops are open, but uh, we're not allowed to leave our municipality. That in my case is very, very small. Um, you can go to the next one over with the, but you need to have kind of bring with you a, a, a piece of paper saying where are you going, why are you doing that, and you can only do it if there is a need. But like you know, I, I need to go to the supermarket. That's, that's good enough. Yeah. Um, 
but the funny thing is that when we moved to one level from one level to the other, I didn't notice. I mean, because it's basically my days are <laughs> walk on the boots in the morning, six hours of Zoom calls. Yeah, there is absolutely no change. So I can't go to the to the shops. Yeah, I wasn't going. I can't go. To, restaurants are closed. I wasn't going to any restaurant before. It's it's like my life yeah. is just the same. And it's funny what it does to time, isn't it? I mean, I. And the repetitiveness of it. I, I mean, I sort of forget what I, it, did. I make dinner yesterday, or did, did Penny, or who, whose turn is it to do the dishes? And you, you sort of end up not caring because you don't know what day it is, and they need done. But which, which is interesting, isn't it? I mean, because I think again, talking to somebody this morning and or uh, from Canada about how chilled it's sort of making people because there's no. You know, we're not able to rush around so much. We're not able to be so driven um, about things that I, th- I think it's teaching people, hopefully teaching people the value of maybe just relaxing a bit more and not worrying about whose turn it is to do X, Y, or Z and just, just getting on with it because you're there. There's nothing else to do. You might as well do the dishes, you know? Yeah, it's a very good time for meditation. I wonder if the vaccine will change everything back to but they will just rush back to yeah hope not I mean that thing about behaviours and um, you know I've talked on the podcast before about my inclination to spend less time in social media platforms Facebook whatever um, and mostly I am I mean I'm I'm not spending the same amount of time scrolling through my news feeds by any stretch it's more if, if I've shared a supposedly cute picture of the cat, half people responded to it. But once I'm in there, I have to be so aware of not getting sucked in um, and scrolling through. And, you know, it's that in- indignation engine, as I'm <laughs> beginning to call them. I'm watching other friends getting really indignant about stuff and wound up about stuff, and there's plenty to get wound up about. And sort of finding myself questioning what ultimately the value of that is, you know. Um, and enjoying the, the kind of relatively calmer thing and it's teaching my brain again to read properly just to, I mean I, I read books constantly but I mean in terms of reading people's blog posts or whatever, reading articles online that I'd fallen into that too long didn't read trap and would skim stuff but I'm actually beginning to enjoy because I'm not jumping off to see the next thing that's on Facebook or Twitter, taking the time to sit and read it properly um, so I'm enjoying I'm enjoying going a bit slower in that as well. Yeah, I, I I've read some of your posts on on your blog about this, and um, I, I I think that even if I'm still quite frequently scrolling through Facebook, I'm realizing that I rarely get upset about things anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. Uh, I'm I'm slightly annoyed by things and posts that are trying to upset me. I'm <laughs> it's a bit uh, meta, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's it's it, but it's not enough to. It doesn't create enough stress to actually be harmful. I think it's. Uh, yeah. I mean, for example, uh, with the with the news that uh, yesterday that uh, you know Maradona died. Yes. 
and uh, you know he played in Italy, so it, 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 they stopped all the news in the country, and everybody right. had to report about it. <laughs> Um, And and what followed is a a whole bunch of people shared on Facebook things about this. And I was kind of thinking, all right, why do you even do this? I mean, it's like if if anybody has a good story, I would appreciate that. But, you know, Mm. why do you feel the need to to post? Yes, yes. Um, But then I thought when Steve Jobs died, I did write a post. Yeah, and uh, you know, you just want to be part of something, and yeah. I don't care very much. But you know, go ahead. And even I, I mean, I have friends that basically posted, "Oh, I didn't care very much about football, but I'm sorry he died." And it's like, okay, why did you post this exactly? <laughs> it's like, wh- how is this improving the life on the planet? But on the other hand, you know, you want to be part of of, uh, yeah, of humankind. Of so culture works, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm. I, I guess that at the end, I'm I'm just letting letting all these flow by without being too upset about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, in the same way as you know, you read the news, and you know, once it's very clear in your mind that there is nothing you can do about it, and nobody expects you to do anything about it, it's just news. Then you can actually enjoy knowing what happens and the complexity of things um i still get upset about how stupid some journalists are but i'm working (laughs) on that i think that i mean i i appreciate that there are people too with flaws but i can't stand some of them but anyway i'm 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 I'm, i don't levitate yet but uh, (laughs) i glow in the dark a little bit sometimes yeah yeah but it's it's interesting isn't it i mean i think and it's what you know those of us who were optimistic about the internet have always kind of like clung to is that <clears throat> the idea that people will adjust and and get better at doing this. And I know we've sort of disagreed a wee bit over this on the podcast in the past, but because there's no guarantees that it will turn out well. But you know, human nature being the way it is, that I think people just frankly have a bottom line and they've got a limit for how much. Well, so most people have a, a limit for how much time they can spend wasting time getting annoyed about stuff and we'll eventually just move on and either use the tools for more productive things or just go off and do something else anyway. But, uh, I mean, clearly there's a, there's a hardcore for whom that may never be true. But, uh, I mean, it's also, I mean, just again today talking about how amazing it is that we've come up, we, we he says, vaccines have been discovered in, in you know, a, a short shorter space of time than was ever thought possible. Um and a lot of that is because of the ability that all these scientists have had to connect and share, even within the same organisation, but certainly between organisations, to a level that would never have been possible without without the tools and the internet. Yeah, I guess that we we always get to the same point where I agree that uh, some smart people can do great things <laughs> with the internet. Um, unfortunately, I'm not sure that the silent majority can do much with it and sometimes there is more damage than advantages oh let's go around this one again then because i'm always a bit wary of that because i think that there there are you know who's to decide what who the other is who who 
that mass is. I mean, I'm always a bit wary of the <clears throat> the idea of a mass or them or <clears throat> most people. Um, and it sort of came up in one of the conferences that I was involved in where they were talking about knowledge and they were talking about knowledge that had no rubbish, you know, the noise that can, can be generated on internal systems. And I made the point I've made so many times before that one person's gold dust can be somebody else's rubbish and vice versa. And the guy said, no, no, there is some stuff that is just rubbish. And I, did, I let it go, but I'm, I'm not convinced. I think if there's something that people have an energy and a time to share in their context, in their situation, for their world, they wouldn't do it if it didn't add some sort of value. The fact that the rest of us look down our noses at it and don't understand that perceived value, in a sense, is sort of, you know, cultural imperialism if we're not careful. Um, only smart people like me can get to use these tools. The rest of them should be banned. That's a no, good idea. I, look, I, I'm not thinking, of, I, I'm not suggesting that we should ban anybody from doing anything. I'm just saying that uh, if I look at... Uh, some corners of social media I do th think that the only thing that is uh, happening is that uh, people are letting their worst instinct free and it's uh, I mean recently for one of the companies I work with I ended up in, in reading comments in some um discussion groups of dog breeders of all things mm -hmm. and uh, I mean there is just the, the, how mean people can be to yeah, other yeah. people without having any idea of who they are and what they do and the complexity of the problems they're trying to solve Yeah, and it's like is uh, so is there any uh, I, and i'm and these all these people made a great effort in writing all those mean comments are they useful to anyone frankly i doubt that and uh I, and yeah it's probably elitists but you know i i don't i don't see any so if that is a form of entertainment i don't i don't see anything good coming from 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 that to be honest is uh, of course it's impossible to tell the difference between you know what are the good discussion and what are the bad discussion and you know this is this is facebook argument you know facebook argument yeah. is that uh, uh, every day million billions of people in on the planet find good things in other people and uh, the fact that uh, every once in a while some group of Illinois Nazis decide to do some shit on Facebook well that's the price to pay for it and maybe that is the only thing we can do it's a bit like I was watching this amazing uh, find the wall documentary about the Royal National Lifeboat service and uh, some amazing rescues being done and one of them was of this uh, surfer who in the middle of one of the worst storms for centuries or decades dived off this pier with his surfboard into this mad, mad sea. And the lifeboat launched, and the lifeboat at one point capsized. Thankfully, it's a self-writing thing, but just an incredible sequence of events. And this guy ended up swimming six miles down the coast before he could get himself back on the coast. You know, it's incredible. And online, he got well and truly beaten up for being so stupid. But the lifeboat crew 
were saying that they don't want to judge why people get into trouble. It's a bit like the mountain rescue teams, they're the same. I mean, some of the half-wits that get themselves into a pickle on a mountain, you, you think it would be in evolution's interest just to leave them there. But, you know, they take the view that, that they want people to enjoy the, the, the natural world, enjoy, enjoy the mountains, and if they keep getting snotty with them about making mistakes, then they'll, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's sort of somewhere in around there that that guy won't ever do that again, you know. He's, he's, he's learned his lesson. He's, he's, and he wouldn't have learned the lesson if he hadn't done what he'd done. And in a way, again, maybe I'm just being an ageing hippie, if people are consistently a wee shit online, it might eventually come back and bite them in the bum and they might decide to be better. Or not. <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, is everybody on a path to improvement? Or on a highway to hell? Well, who knows? Well, that's the, that's the choice, actually, isn't it? Um, that's, that is the choice we make. Yeah, but not everybody makes the same choice. So otherwise yeah. it wouldn't be a choice, right? <laughs> We're getting so deep I've lost the plot here a wee bit, Paolo. No, no, you're the one who reads all those <laughs> philosophy books and Buddhism and stuff. I mean, I, I read Facebook. I just admit it. <laughs> I read comments of mean people on Facebook. Yeah, but well, look what it's done. <laughs> What else? I ordered my M1 MacBook. Oh, I'm so jealous. I decided to go for the MacBook Pro. And I considered all three of them. I, yeah. I yeah. Because I was thinking, since I started using my iPad, I don't take my computer with me everywhere, so maybe I could just get away with a Mac Mini. Mm-hmm. But then I thought if I buy a Mac Mini and I just you know move it between Italy and the UK when I when I go back and forth, it means I need to have monitors both sides, keyboards, mice, yeah, and I need yeah. and I, I need to get the camera and a whole bunch of things. That I'm not saying that it was would have been the same price, but yeah, yeah. So I was left with the Air and the Pro. You know, same processor, theoretically same speed, same RAM, same everything, but. Then I read an article saying that because the air doesn't have a fan, probably the way they're they're handling temperature is they're just clocking down the or turning yeah. off cores yeah, when it when it starts overheating. While the MacBook Pro has a fan, so it should be able yeah. to maintain tem- a high temperature for longer. So at that point, and it has the 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 little bar on the top of the keyboard and a bunch of other things so i said all right i I ordered uh, a mac is supposed to be delivered between the 15th and the 21st of december but i got a notification from american express today that apple charged my card which might mean that it's gonna get here yeah uh so i've been reloading the orders page all day and nothing has changed yet but uh i'm counting on the fact that our next episode is going to be recorded on an M1. Does that mean you'll talk faster? Yeah, yeah. It will be. It will sound like a whistle to most of you. <laughs> but it's amazing that I mean, it is a huge, huge step change that new chip, isn't it? I mean, sixteen cores. Or was it sixteen billion transistors or something ridiculous? And there was a guy we were talking about. A guy who'd done a video 
<clears throat> of him going through all the standard issue Mac apps, of which there's maybe 16, 20 or so, on the dock, and he just goes through and clicks each one to open it up. And genuinely, your brain, because it's used to having to wait a moment or two, there's no delay. Just boom, 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 boom. All the apps just opened instantly. I mean, it's... Uh, it's, I mean, even just at a much, much more trivial level, <clears throat> I'm recording them. People might have noticed this will sound slightly different, but I, I'm recording this at the iMac. And it's partly because I'm finding myself having loved the iPad, and I still love the iPad and will continue to use it a lot. I'm sort of more drawn back to the Mac because of Big Sur, bizarrely. Mm-hmm. Um, not just Big Sur, the fact that it's cleaned up a number of issues with the, with the hardware on the iMac for me has meant that it's now running, running really fast. Um, but there are some things about the interface that they've they've just improved significantly, and like I say, I just uh, I find it interesting that I'm finding myself drawn to sit in front of this rather than the iPad on an increasing basis, and that's with a, a seven year old bit of hardware, you know. Oh look, I mean, I I I've, I've been running betas of uh, Big Sur since last summer, and uh, I mean how much I appreciate these little changes in the interface and uh, being able to use the tools. I, I've, I was actually putting up with a whole bunch of things not working and crashing all the time and still was happy with the quality of the experience. The the, yeah. Yeah. the work they did, I think, uh, is, is very good. I mean, there are maybe a few flaws here and there, but uh, overall, I, I'm really... Uh, you know, as a designer of digital things, I find this inspiring. I mean, it's it's really. Yeah. Um, I, I find that working with tools that inspire you is uh, is yes. important. That you're drawn uh, to use. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and uh, yeah, finding ways to optimize things, finding ways to to. to to do things better with the tools, with the digital tools that we have, it's so important, and it, it's it's something that I try to convince all my young designer colleagues about. It's you know, mm-hmm. you, you should consider your computer. You know, it's it's a toolbox, and uh, uh, to some degree, the same way you can judge, you know, the work from a, of an artisan from his tool set. I mean. Mm-hmm. A good artisan has always these beautiful tools that you know are selected and and uh, crafted and improved over the years. And uh, in the same way, this intersection between you know design and, and decision that come from Apple with how you customize and how you you know weave this yeah. into your process, it's uh, it's so satisfying. And it's going to be interesting to see how much uh, if. Shortcuts moves across because that's been one of the things that I've enjoyed so much on the iPad is the the, the high level of easy automation for things and the community that's built up around that. And there's so much innovation of people building really hacky, cool tools that allow you to do even more than the the basic shortcut stuff does with Apple. And you know, God bless uh, Apple Script, but it's been around for an awfully long time and not seen an awful lot of love and. Um, it would be great if, if along with the sort of refreshed interface, they maybe brought some of that capability so that more people could begin to tinker and build stuff that makes makes life that little bit easier and more fun. Something that that I've been doing recently, 
is uh, we we changed the light bulbs across the house with uh, the the new IKEA smart ones that you Ooh. know can be connected Ooh. to Apple to HomeKit. Um, so I can now tell Siri to do things and to set scenes, and it's. Uh, it's it's brilliant. I mean, it's it's uh, and it's cheap. I mean, these these light bulbs start at like ten euros or or less. So this is not you know it used to be much more expensive. And um, <laughs> and the funny thing is, we have uh, uh, we I, I put some of these lights outside in the garden. And I set a script to basically turn on the lights between our kitchen and uh, outside where we leave the rubbish on, you know, the days of the week when you have to leave the rubbish outside. (laughs) And I call this script Scovazze, which is the local dialect for rubbish. Uh But of course, all my devices are set in English. So the way Siri pronounces it is Scavaze. (laughs) <laughs> which which doesn't mean anything in any language, but uh, Monica and I basically now we say scaves and all the lights come up, <laughs> and, we go, and I find that hilarious. But it's 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 good. It's uh, well. It's, the thing is, my my trouble is that we we renovated the house six years ago and put in LED lights in all the ceilings, and we've actually got not very many uh, light bulbs. I mean, there's a little incidental light side lights and stuff, but. Uh, I maybe should do some of that because I mean I've been very tempted by the the, the home pod, the new one, the mini. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean I haven't done it because partly I don't want music all the, all the time in the, in the public spaces in the house. Maybe um, and also with the watch, I use my watch all the time for Siri, so I don't mm-hmm. need that kind yeah. of ambient Hey Siri kind of thing. So. I haven't bought one yet, but it's tempting, very tempting. Yeah, I mean, I because I I have the the, the big one in at home in uh, in the UK, and I was thinking of you know perhaps buying one or maybe even two to have like a stereo. Yeah, that's uh, that's tempting here. Yeah. But then I read about that and I'd say that the audio is okay, but not exceptional, especially because they're kind of small and. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I started to realize that uh, uh, people like there is a whole new generation of of uh, audio files that are kind of satisfied. Must be satisfied with yeah. Much we talked about this the, on the last podcast about stereo and not realizing yeah, exactly. what stereo. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's uh, so it's kind of uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm actually thinking that I might be spending that probably with that amount of money you might buy a couple of pretty good speakers that might not be very smart but you know after all i can talk in my watch uh, anytime yeah. i want and yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what and i did actually prior to the prior to the mini being launched i bought a decent set of bookcase speakers hmm. um that have got great sound um but yeah it's just that seductive new toy to play with thing that i'm sort of finding off yeah it, it's it's cute it's, it's definitely cute i yeah. mean it's it's uh I don't know. I'll, I think I'll resist this one. Yeah, and it's it's the just mentioning the watch as well. I was noticing rumours, as there always are, about the next version of the watch. And, and I, I, uh, before we started, I was talking to Paolo about the the fact that I'm still fascinated with the idea of 
not having to have my phone with me and just using because I use the watch a lot and find myself being quite comfortable using it for messages, even some emails occasionally. So the idea of just not bothering with the phone and having a watch that's got um, a, a, a GSM in it um, is attractive. Uh, but the reason, I, again, I don't do that is because my camera is in my phone. And if I'm out doing things and walking, I like being able to take pictures. So I'll always have my phone with me anyway. Um, so I don't need to upgrade to, to a GSM watch. But again, tempting. Close, close and not, not quite far enough yet. Oh, can you imagine the watch with a camera? There was a patent. I remember seeing a patent maybe a year ago. It was just a little flip-up screen thing. Um, but yeah, that would be very cool. <laughs> It'll come. It'll come. Something that I was uh, sort of annoyed that... Uh, I mean, I was hoping that they would do it, but they didn't on the on the new um, iPhone. I was hoping they would reintroduce the fingerprint reader. Mm, that we have with the iPad, yeah. But they have it. They 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 did it on the iPad. I mean, Monica got an iPad Air uh, and the the new one, and mm-hmm. you know this thing in the button works perfectly well. Mm-hmm. And the problem with the iPhone is that uh, if you're wearing a face mask, you can't unlock your phone. Yeah. And these days, it's kind of, you know, if they would have been able to add, I mean, okay, use the, the face recognition, but having a little button there, that would have been great. Because now, these days, I, I'm unlocking my iPhone. I mean, I don't go out a lot, but every time you're out, you know, you're in a supermarket, you need to pay, and you're there unlocking your iPhone with the code and then the card and mm-hmm. stuff. It's kind of mm-hmm. annoying. You must do more shopping than me, Paolo. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm wearing more masks. It, it, we were sitting in the, we were sitting in the car outside. We went grocery shopping today. We were sitting in the car outside the supermarket, and before, oh, before getting out of the car, we wore our, our mask. And we started. We're saying this feel a lot like in the movies before they rob a bank, you know. <laughs> You know, there is this yeah. moment before robbing a bank, they just slip on yeah. the mask and they jump out of the car. It feels like that. I mean, it's like, it feels like we're robbing the supermarket, not buying stuff. It's funny, isn't it, how we're all adapting and adjusting to that as well. Very oh, <laughs> slight at the end of the tunnel. Now, the bet is on about who is going to get the vaccine first, me in the UK or Monica here in Italy. I'm not sure. Yeah. I have no idea. Mostly. because no. we're we're not in a in any not priority group no. so yeah. it will happen with the rest of the populace and i wonder when that's going to happen we'll see yep well and on this note on this if you're if you're all still alive next time yep well for those uh, of you who are going to be still alive next time talk to you soon bye bye <laughs>